0: checking out only the important stuff. I'm your host Jeff Heinrich. I know I say it every episode but it really does mean a ton that you listen to this and I am extremely grateful for all the feedback that you share with me however you go about doing that. Really looking forward to catching up with our guest today. He and I became acquainted during uh, my senior year of college as we went on a wild ride together which we are definitely going to get into today and discuss at at length. Um, Then obviously I graduated. We've both gone on to live our lives I've been able to kind of keep up with him via social media, which is one of the blessings of that. And I look forward to learning more about what he's doing, because I, I truly do find it fascinating and super interesting. And with all that being said, our guest today and I met and bonded over a love of music, so much so that I would say we were in the greatest band that never made it. At least that's what I tell myself. For sure. <laughs> Without further ado, the principal of the Hereford Agency. Am I saying that correctly? herford just like herford. Uh,
1: it's her ford truck
0: all right love that and the former bassist of our band and the owner of obviously the greatest coat jacket that my eyes have ever laid eyes upon mr casey phillips how the hell are you doing brother
1: dude i'm doing great man couldn't couldn't but it couldn't be better if there's two of me <laughs> i've never heard that one before where'd you pick that up that was uh i i, th- I don't know somewhere on the campaign trail I love so I'm I meeting all kinds of characters, but you know, the coat, we're getting the coat right away. The coat is and in, an, in an intensive care right now. It is off at a place called uh, the hideaway uh, Fur place in somewhere in Wyoming uh, being trying to be rescued because it got, we were out of Sundance and I wore it down the street and it was like a mob scene. It got tried on by 200 people, Instagram photos in the whole thing and uh over the course of taking it off and putting it on to other people uh it like the seam on the left sleeve just gave up you know because the thing is like it's a 30 32 pound buffalo coat full length for a guy who's six foot four 300 pounds yeah and uh it's 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 a good time yeah that thing that is not a subtle
0: piece that you wear out in public right like it is it's gonna attract attention so i have no doubt that everybody wanted to try it on shit i want to right like (laughs) yeah first time i saw that i mean my jaw dropped i was like one i know that's real right like there's no way that's not and it i mean you're as you mentioned you're not a small human right no So it's like good lord what was the did you ever see the beast that it came from? I'm, I'm just curious if there's more to that story or you just
1: saw that somewhere and you're like, I have to have it. Oh, no, I had that made. I had it made. It's it's a fully custom job. It's got the state seal of South Dakota embroidered into the interior lining. Uh, the bullets are our are, are button are the buttons are bullets. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a custom job. I had it made by a guy, uh, Eagle Rock Furs out in, uh, Idaho Falls, Idaho there since there were COVID casualty business. So they're oh, no. no longer set up. So that's why I'm, 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 dealing with Harry's hideaway or hideout to, to, get, to, get, to get it repaired. But, um, what happened with the impetus of all that was that, you know, I grew up in Western South Dakota. Yeah, uh, on a cattle ranch. So five generations of okay. you know hard living men working, yeah. working the working the ground. You know living in dirt houses, uh, literally. And so there's a a, a photo of my great grandfather and his brothers standing uh, out in front of their sod house in you know 1906 or 1907 uh, during uh, homestead days. And there it's their knee deep in snow there's uh there, there's horses hooked up to a a sled a sleigh right wow. and they're sitting there with a bottle of you know unlabeled brown uh, liquid sure. and they're wearing buffalo coats and okay. i thought you know what that's probably the most badass thing i've ever seen oh yeah it's kind of you know and, and there's a reason why uh that i should have this and if i ever get ahead enough financially to where i can spare some money for a buffalo coat that's going to be like my thing you know some dudes buy a corvette yeah you know the, some dudes i don't know, you know watches everyone, liquor house yeah, yeah. yeah whatever it is some it, and i just wanted a coat man so i've got the coat and uh it, it's it's fun it i don't think it's wear it a couple times a year it has to be cold as i bet as heck. bet because it is hot like I tell people all the time Gore-Tex ain't got nothing on God man (laughs) this thing is hot so yeah yeah. that that thing's sick
0: that's sick and you 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 probably post about it like once a year yeah maybe when I when I wear it yeah maybe yeah it is so cool um I'll have to see if I can't like Find a, find a picture of that and share it with people who... Because I know people are going to ask me. They're like, I got to see this.
1: Yeah, well, it's C.W. Phillips on Instagram. I'm public, so you can find it. There it is. There it is. Well, hey, long time no talk, brother.
0: Uh, cheers. I don't know if you're drinking anything right now, but uh, it's good to see it's your got, face. It got some Texas whiskey here. Love that. I'm sipping on some Kentucky bourbon. So, uh, so even better. Um, I teased it a few times, but... You know, we met in college as members of the band Stuntcock. Yes. Which, yes,
1: the, uh, the, 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 the evil Knievel chicken. Hold on. Oh, you got it. Oh, dude. You're that damn right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, thing, that thing has survived uh, nine moves and geez, 20 years. The neck's a little worn out. I don't wear it anymore. It just kind of hangs, hangs in the closet in the event that it, anybody doesn't believe that I was in a band at one point in my life. <laughs> um,
1: How often does that happen?
0: You know, I, people are more shocked than anything. They're like, that didn't know me when I was there. They're like, you really? Like, why? Why? We knew you were into music, but what made you decide to be in a band and then perform? And I was like, I don't know, man, fuck it. Like, you only live once. Like, let's see how this goes, right? And you had this badass voice, man. (laughs) Terrible. Let's just be honest. Like, I could yell, and I think I was willing to.
1: Right, like, <laughs> yes, the confidence and the being able to take the mic and scream into it was a really big part, I think, of uh, of what made you a successful musician or an unsuccessful, yes. successful musician.
0: There you but go. I was going to say, how did how did how did you end up uh, in stuntcock? Because I think if if I were to look at it, or if you were to like pull back, right, and you look at us collectively, it was a really random collection of humans that got yes. together. And decided to to join an event. So, how did you kind of end up in that? I'm, I'd love to hear your side.
1: So, my, I was roommates with Ray, okay. Ray Abrams, and uh, he, you know, he's a guitar player. Yeah. And always was pick, always picking you know guitar uh, around the dorms. And uh, you, you know, later as we when we lived together, and you know, I didn't have a lot of musical background, but when I was at Wyoming, you know, I, I jammed a lot with all a lot a lot of these guys. Uh, like all of our neighbors had. You know guitars and nobody um no one played bass okay. so i was really bad at guitar i had one and i would kind of just, just step in and play a couple bar chords and you know like maybe do a little bass riff and finally someone said well we don't have a bass player why don't you go to go pick one up so i drove down to uh uh denver and went to uh uh what you call guitar center and bought uh a, uh a, Fender jazz bass nice. and five string at the time because, of course, I wanted to be, you know, flea or, uh, you know, or any one of those old metal, yeah, uh, fieldy, uh, yeah, or, yeah, field all those guys. Hell yeah. Uh, so, yeah, fieldy is what I was thinking of actually. And then, um, so then I just started learning scales, and it's okay. not like I had a lot of extra time playing football and stuff like that. <laughs> right. I was me- mediocre at the very best. Um, we and, uh, <laughs> And uh, we had, you know, once Ray and I started jamming a little bit, and then uh, uh, that dude Jake was just a badass guitar player on our floor, and, you know, uh, we, we knew a killer drummer, and all of a sudden we're like, well, why shouldn't we why should not we go in, over to the garage and see if we can write some songs and have some fun. And I mean, I still, there's still some very core memories from me from college is our, our shows that we put, that we put on Yes, a lot of fun. You know, we, packed the, we packed the house because everybody wanted to come see us. I think most people had earplugs in.
0: It, yeah. I, th- I, well, I, it was, it was like this curiosity, right? Like watching a car crash, right? People are like, or is this going to be a thing? And I remember our first show, right? Like standing up there and, you know, we all had copious amounts of liquid courage, you know, coursing through our veins. Because first one, right? And no one's up. And I'm just like yelling at everybody that I can see that I know. I'm like, get the fuck out of your seat. Like, get up here, blah, blah, blah. And we start playing. And then by the end, when we covered Killing in the Name of, I think, because I, it was Skelly's, right? Yeah. I think Skelly's was about to fall over.
1: <laughs> I think it did fall over. That's why they had to make it into the the park or whatever it is now.
0: Right. Like the, everybody was like this is awesome. Like I had people coming up and this also blew my mind saying like did you guys write that? It's like what? It's a rage yes. against the machine. Yes. <laughs> Zach,
1: Zach Dilaroja, yeah, yeah. So
0: never, he could never have been more offended, but yeah, it was. They were. Those were so much. That was so much fun. Even more so, just like hanging out in that garage, covered in carpet, and just playing, like getting drunk and hanging out and playing. Like that was the, so much fun.
1: Core core memories for me. For um, sure. Because, yeah, it, it was fun. It was a great release, uh, and it was creative and fun. And I I think that for me, I mean, it's kind of part of my personality is that somehow I want to be able to do or understand the process behind, like, everything that sure. I enjoy. Okay. Right? Like, filmmaking, I got into that. I made a documentary. You know, music, I started doing that. When we started a band, I bought Pro Tools on a credit card. We recorded you know, a mm-hmm. four song demo and did two shows, mm-hmm. you know, then move on to the, you know, move on to the next thing. So uh, I, I just think that that's one thing that's missing from a lot of the people, especially these days, is this, that kind of can do attitude, which is like, Hey, we didn't, we had no reason to be a band. No, you know? but damn it. We had fun doing it Absolutely. and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I've still got the, uh, still got the tunes, I think, somewhere on my iPod, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Just a little four-song demo. That's incredible.
0: Awesome. That's incredible. That's um, incredible. Yeah, you know, like, you, you brought up an interesting point there, because I was, I was going to talk about it at a certain point, but I think, like, you're, you definitely challenge a lot of perceptions. I think, you know, again, if we were to go back and look at you in this coat, right, like, here's this you're a mountain of a human being, right? Like you're a big dude and you're physically imposing. You got this long beard, you're rocking sweet ass hair, right? You come from the, you know, ranch, ranching heritage in South Dakota, but yet you have a very creative and inquisitive personality that kind of goes against that nature, right? So are people like very shocked? Like once, like they see you and then they get to know you and they're like, holy shit. Like, does does that, like, do you get something out of that? Is that, like, a little bit enjoyable to you to kind of be, like, no, I'm not just this, like, you know, bare knuckle brawler, (laughs) right?
1: Well, well, it cuts both ways, right? And uh, I would say it's always been my secret weapon to be able to go through a meeting and people think I'm the dumb jock in the corner. Yeah. And then jump in and have something insightful to say. And it, I don't know. It's opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, in in my career and I feel just as confident uh, in a meeting on Madison Avenue in a skyscraper in New York as I do uh, you know meetings a couple old guys over a business deal at the M- American Legion and mm-hmm. you know Corinth Mississippi right I, I and so I think that's sort of the um I, I, that that's where it is yeah yes there's there's a way that being a physically imposing human, uh, can certainly cut against you, for sure. but uh, for me, it allows me to, I guess, kind of drop the ego. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and not take myself so seriously. Um, I don't really, I feel like I don't have a ton to prove so then I can be more creative yeah. and I can be more friendly and I, and it is sort of, um, it's not, it's, it's unexpected. Right. So if I'll take I'll take people by surprise by just walking up and saying hi and being interested in them when when they're they think, wow, I don't want, you know, that that dude with a mullet over there is terrifying. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I You know, that's kind of what I
0: I guess essentially what I was getting at. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. that's it's a super cool quality to be able to possess and not feel like oh, man, I have to live up to this perception that others probably have of me before they meet me, right? And to just be like, yeah, i'm gonna I'm gonna buck that
1: trend. And yeah, well, show- i've got I've got all kinds of fun disarming stories. I mean, I rode my horse to school. No one else did that, right? Like, <laughs> come on, like yeah I, one room country school with two kids in my class, you know, that still still exists. My nephews go there. They ride their horse every, you know, every first day of school. Like, That's awesome. You know, I've i done things. I've been in a silly band. I've made a, a you know a movie that went straight to streaming. I mean, I, you know, it's like you just you, the life's too short to 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 fit into whatever um, box. whatever blocks everyone else is trying to put you in, right? Absolutely. And we only get one spin around on this rock, so I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do all the things I want to do. And I hope everyone wants to come along for the ride. hundred percent, hundred percent. You, Hey, do you still play? Oh, you still uh, well, I've got my, uh, my BC rich warlock bass hanging on the wall over there. I'll pull that over here, but you know, it's dude, it's, it's got a coat of dust on it. I'd, I'd love sure. to say that I <laughs> say that I play, but right. it's dude. Every once in a while, I'll plug it in and run some scales and play, uh, you know, Metallica pulling teeth solo is my one party trick, Love but that. Man, Love I've that. got, I've got a acoustic guitar at, at the house. I six string, I play a little bit and mess around with the, with guitar tabs, but is that easy? Is that easier for it? So I don't want to say, no, I always I struggled, struggled with stupid, the guitar because of my fat stupid fingers. fingers, man. Yeah. There's, I, I can't really play guitar yeah. because
0: my fingers hit too many strings. Okay. Same. And so I didn't know if like that was like, man, you just, you're not putting in enough work or nope they're just big ass fingers and they get in the way. Yeah, they're just big ass fingers. <laughs> right on. All right. Let's back up a little bit. So small town, South Dakota, you played college football center for mm-hmm. the Wyoming Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. How'd you get there? Like, tell me about that journey, right? Like what was the recruitment process like for you to, to and, and why'd you choose Wyoming
1: well it it was the closest division one school to where I grew up okay so I was on uh, Sturgis high school Sturgis scoopers Um, we were we started in you know my junior year with a run of terribleness when which they think they lost every game for like seven years maybe Oh no. so we were not good Uh, in fact we were pretty terrible but my junior year, there was another guy whose name was Shane Delbridge. Uh, he also was a country guy from the Union Center area. Mm-hmm. And he was the other defensive end. And I was like, I was a, a junior. He was a senior. He went up going to play at South Coast State. Uh, he was good. And so he was draw, drawing all the attention from all the other coaches, sure. which left me, you know, just through my growth spurt, just coming back after real you know, breaking my hand in, in sophomore football. And all of a sudden I'm getting the number two, uh, I'm, I'm not getting the, the double teams. I'm getting the number two, uh, tackle. And so I just have like just shockingly good stats, my junior year, uh, because they didn't, the coaches didn't figure it out until halfway through the season that they needed to lock me too. So, um, you know that kind of got around a little bit, so coach, sure. coaches started showing up. Uh, but of course, I was on a, a team that wasn't that had a terrible record, didn't win a single game. Um, so they were, but they were still showing up to, to recruit me, yeah. And, um, you know, that was a uh, you know, I, but I was getting double teamed every single play, so I didn't have the best senior season, okay. Uh, so I think that cost me. Uh, A couple of good looks. Uh, Colorado was really interested in me for a long time. Colorado State. uh, Of course, I got um, a lot of interest from Ivy League. Uh, Oh, sure. And so, um, you know, it it just became a place where I was looking for different options. And South Coast State, Augie was making a big big push. USD made a pretty big push at me. Uh, I still have my... My framed letter from Nebraska offered me up uh, to walk on to the yeah, Oscars sure. uh, on, on my childhood room wall. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was six hours away. I had a great visit there. Um, you know I, I, I liked the coaches. They were really kind of hitting their stride. The whack was was breaking up. It was becoming the mountain west, mm-hmm. uh, which is an awesome conference now, especially. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Laramie felt a little bit more like a little bit like home, like a little bit of cow town, uh, you know, more Laramie's got more in common with Sturgis than, than, uh, Sioux Falls does now, especially. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it, it was a comfortable place and, uh, I loaded everything up in my truck and threw in my saddle and and went down to, to Laramie and had, had a really good time. And the, yeah, over the course of the time, our coach left after the first season. Our program fell apart, and we uh, wound up in a in a bad situation where we only won two games. And I've been through that before. Sure. And I said, "This is not going the way it should." I have seen what it's like in a when you're not winning. Everyone gets you know. It's the vibe is bad. The yeah. the your academics suffer, your social life is bad. Uh, so, every, you know, we got a new coach and he didn't like any of us and we didn't like him and almost everyone scattered to the wind.
0: Interesting. So
1: I called state and Augie and said, Hey, are you still looking for a, a, you know, a, a center? And, uh, Augie said, absolutely. State said, well, well, we'll see. And, uh, I, I jumped, I jumped at the, at the chance and showed up, but you know, to play for Jim Hynot and the Augustana College Vikings.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I ask, right? Because I you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the college athletes that I've had on, it's been interesting to hear what went into their choices, right, as to where they wanted to go spend, you know, two, three, four years of their life. And a lot of the guys that I played with, you know, we we kind of accidentally ended up at Augie, you know, and it turned out to be the greatest decision, you know, that we all could have made. And, you know, we've also gone through some, I've had some that they said like, man, we were just chasing this number and it, I hated it. Right. Like the number behind the D, right. Like they just hated it. And, you know, so much that, man, like I've gotten to this point now where, and one of my buddies, Ross, you never met him. He left before you showed up, I think. Um, he, he transferred to K state and he talks about how it's so much more important to feel like comfortable where you're at versus feeling like you've achieved this next thing because you're probably going to have better success, right? Especially in baseball where, you know, talent is scattered across the country. And a lot of times it's just random exposure, right? Like you, you, you got like this, blessing in that you had this dude who was really good and got eyes on you and got you to this place and you know a lot of times like kids in the midwest just don't get the exposure that you know kids in the south get because let's just be honest who wants to come up and watch a football game uh in november you know, in the heartland, is that,
1: the, is that still the way it is? It seems like it's with all the websites and Instagram and Max Preps. I, I would think that it, it doesn't matter where you're from; you're going to be able to get right in front of every recruiter who is dying to find the next
0: guy. It's a lot different now, because uh, Ross actually now he runs a recruiting service down in Texas, and it is a lot different now, especially with Huddle and all those you know video sharing services that. You know, kids are able to promote themselves a hell of a lot easier than we were able to, right? For, for us, it just, it very much felt like chance. Like, am I playing at a game and there's a scout or a, a recruiter there and they happen to see me have a good day? And then that kind of snowballs, right?
1: But now. That's literally what it was, what it was. <laughs> or else sending out VHS tapes, which we did. I mean, my coach, my coach has sent out VHS tapes yeah, well, uh, to, to colleges uh, on my behalf. I yeah. mean, it's actually that's how it happened
0: 100% right like and we played so long ago that football was the only sport that was essentially recorded everybody else just played the game so just play
1: yeah just god <laughs> play there's the, we know who won yes. someone will write it down
0: if it wasn't in this if, if somebody wasn't in the stands or the the paper didn't give you a good write up good luck right so yeah it it just i find that that whole you know kind of process for all of the people that I've talked to that that were college athletes and just kind of like hearing about their journey like super fascinating cuz it is a big part of your life and shapes a lot of who you are right oh, and for sure for sure you know that's that's when we're as men kind of like really figuring our shit out
1: right like oh i didn't figure it out so much later <laughs> i knew, dude <laughs> then Oh man, I don't even know if today Casey would even have been friends with the Casey that you that you were hanging out with, man. Like, no, figuring my shit out, nah, man. That's all. I was like thirty.
0: Yeah, well, again, part of the process, probably very early stages, right? Like, we don't, our brain isn't fully formed till we're twenty five as men, right? So, yeah, hundred percent, we're starting, starting that process and. And figuring out like what matters to us, right? Like the relationships that matter, the experiences, all those things. So, yeah, I, what was it like going from Wyoming to Augie, right? Um, being kind of the, the new guy walking in and kind of inserting yourself into a class that maybe had already been together. Was that tough?
1: Oh, it was, it was absolutely tough. I mean, you know, those guys gave me a, they looked at me very skeptically, which they should have. Sure. Um, I suppose that uh, I came in a little hot. Yeah. Right. Because I, you know, I knew that they were going to be judging me from the day one. Uh, I think uh, the one thing that I knew for sure that I was going to do was fight somebody at the first practice. (laughs) And because at, uh, at, at Wyoming, I mean, I was I a scout team and I was playing against an All American. Mm-hmm. And so he would, you know, throw me around and, and toss me around. And then I, I remember this this guy, uh, who's still a good friend to this day, Bill Bullard, uh, junior college transfer, you know, picked me up one time. And I mean, I was like, I was 18, uh, 230 pounds, six foot four, blocking an All American nose tackle who could bench 500 pounds. Sure. Um, And so he he grabbed me and he said, listen, you're not going to get any respect unless you smack him in the face. Right. If he's going to, if he's going to hit you after the play, like you have to hit him. Yeah. And I thought, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, you know, you don't hit your own teammates. And he goes, no, this is the big leagues, dude. You, <laughs> you, 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 you smack him in the helmet and, 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 and spit him spit in his eye. And I thought, no, there's no way. Well, you know, the next time he did it, I turned around and smacked him in his helmet, and he was stunned. But then he just laughed and slapped me on the butt, and was like, "Let's go!" You know, yeah. like he was actually excited sure. that I that I stood up for myself. Yeah, that you had some and fight, some fire. Yeah, yeah. He he was looking for that. So coming into Augie, two years, in, you know, two those guys have been together for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, the first, the first time anybody steps out of line, uh, or says or does anything or says anything, I'm going to hit them. Sure. And, uh, it was, it was a, a moment of historical moment in Augustana football, because that was like the first time that anyone had ever gotten in a fight in <laughs> at this Christian college <laughs> and with two balls. And, and it, was first, it was like, the first, uh, And no one knows what to do. And it was Tom Farrington. You know what Tom? Oh,
0: yeah. Tom, big Tom. Tom Shit.
1: Came around the side and hit me after the play. And I turned around and I just went after him. And I started just like punching him in the face mask. (laughs) And I mean, it set the practice on fire. Like the whole team fell apart. Right, it was it was pandemonium. The coaches, the trainers were screaming. that oh. it was Division One was not North Central Conference Augustana Lutheran School. So oh. yeah, that was uh that was the, the, those guys have never let me forgive that, forget that.
0: Do you know what though? Like, uh, and I I'm I did not play football clearly. Right, I, I would say probably necessary.
1: Oh, it definitely changed the culture. For sure, right? Yeah, I was a catalyst to change the culture of that team. You
0: know, like, I think uh, for years they were essentially uh, middle of the road, you know, could never get over the UND, NDSU, SDSU hump, maybe beat them once every five years, right? But now, you know, in D2, they're, you know, they're they're a problem in some respects, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And... I think they needed that, right? Like that injection, that infusion of, man, this is football. Because it is different. It's not, uh, hey, we all shake hands after every play. And, like, there should be competition every fucking play where you are fighting for your job and pushing each other. And, you know, it's not seniors play. It's not toughest, baddest dudes who can hold somebody off the line or get through the line. They, They win the job. Right. And somebody disrespects my teammate. I'm jumping in and I'm busting his mouth. Like that's the way it should yeah. be.
1: Well, I, I, I clearly, I agree. <laughs>
0: Good on you. <ya. laughs> Good on you. Oh, they probably man. set
1: me back from making friends with a few other guys for a few months, maybe a year. No. But, uh, uh, well, you know, they got to know me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's crazy. So, so you 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 fight the team. Just kidding.
1: Um, pretty pretty much.
0: <laughs> but then, like, how long does it take before you kind of like feel like assimilated slash part of the team? And not oh, having was, to prove it was yourself,
1: pretty, it was pretty immediate. I mean, these guys; these are nice guys. It's just the way, dudes You know, are you know all you know all these guys. I mean, you'd run through half of their names right now off the top of your head. Yep. And they're they're still good. They're good humans, and you know, sure they were a little, uh, they they were a little shocked at my my demeanor, and maybe they didn't agree with it. But you know, pretty quickly after practice, I was then that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Which then you, but it's better than being a nobody. For sure. So I was I was that guy that tangled up with Tom and everyone loved Tom and so then he you know he didn't care and uh, then we were then we we're uh, we're all buddies right after that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then it's a team, t- you know, hundred you know,
0: percent, right? And so like the rest of your experience there, just like what you were hoping for out of college athletics, right? Because you know, obviously, like Wyoming, like it was a good, you know the experience was what it was, but it was going the wrong. Like, was it what you were looking for out of college football or did it provide you with what you were looking for?
1: It got me where I wanted to go in life. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, I think once I got to Augie, like I wanted to play college football cause I was, I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to win some games, but uh, I'm, I'm coming out of two programs in a row where I lost everything all the time. Sure. So, you know, i I would say that what I wanted out of sports was to was to finish out, play as much as I could, not get hurt. Um, you know, I got I got some looks to go to Canada, Canadian League, or Europe. Yeah, uh, I got a really good chance to go to the WWF after college.. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I about uh, and that. you know that would have been, I think, more fun because they want they pay a little better. Actually, the Canadian league plays like fifty grand a year, and you know I my body wasn't holding up like it should. I didn't think that I was gonna make it to the next level. Sure, mostly because like most of my I have like uh, a kind of weird gait. I kind of like walk like a duck, so it's uh, a little bit of an issue. Uh, probably kept me out of the NFL or, 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 or continue my career. But, you know, I made good friends and I got what I found at Augustana was um, good people and, and learning about, um, uh, you know, learning about things outside of football. And then, then it led me to my passion, which I still work in to this day, which is politics. And once I found politics, uh, which I found at Augustana, uh, that's what really uh, gave me new direction in life and uh, put me on a path to where I am today.
0: What? So, what at Augie led you to politics?
1: The well, I got the college Republicans on campus. Um, they were inter. They were working for a a guy named Steve Kirby who was running for governor, and they kind of recruited me because they needed some help uh, unloading signs, and I was a big football player. And then they took me to their meeting and they brought in some speakers to campus. And then they threw me out in front of the news cameras because I looked like, I don't look like your normal college (laughs) politics activists, right? Like, so they said, well, what about the guy with about the 300 pound center with the long hair, put him on TV. And then I was able to, you know, fumble my way through something and put, uh, sentence together and all of a sudden people were wondering who I was and, 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 and calling and trying to get me to work on their campaigns. And, and here we are, we are however many years later, 20, 20 years later now. So
0: it just stayed from that. I want to fall back. Sorry. Back to back to athletics. Cause I know in baseball, and then we're going to get into that in baseball, especially for me, I went from, again, small town. You're playing 20, maybe 30 games in the summer to you go to college, full-time job, essentially, right? You're mm-hmm. playing fall ball. In the winter, you got two-day workouts, and you're playing 50, 60 games in the spring slash early summer, and you're doing summer ball. At the end, you know, were were options there? Sure. Personally, did I want to pursue them? Absolutely I was so burnt out. Um at the end of college did you get did you have that feeling as well or was it more of it's just the end of the road and it's time to move on because god i can't tell you how many guys that i went to school with that all felt that way even even having like they got drafted right and they're just like you know i was still just close to being done like it's it's way more than you think it is <laughs> So I didn't know if that translated into football as well.
1: Baseball and your body are a little bit different, right? Like you can play baseball longer. I mean, I guess there's more games and more stuff, but you know, it's, it's football so hard on your body. And today, even to this day, like there's things, I maybe wish I wouldn't have played quite as long, honestly. uh, Now when I get out of bed, Uh, but it's, it's, uh, no, I I think I was just, this was the end of the road and it's time for the next challenge. Sure. And that's kind of how I've, I've, uh, I've met everything, you know, before or since. And, you know, my goal growing up was always to play division one football. I did that mm-hmm. for a while. It didn't work out. So i finished up in division two and I enjoyed the hell out of it made some great friends. And. You know, then it was not, it's time for the next thing. Yeah. Right. I don't let the grass grow into my boots for too long. And I don't, and I definitely don't find a way and say, wish what could have been right. You know, do sure. the thing, get it done, move on, find the next challenge. Absolutely. What's the next hill to climb? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Talk me about this WWF thing.
1: <laughs> so this I, is you know, I'm, I went to high school in Sturgis. Sure. Uh, where is we have a massive world's largest motorcycle rally and yeah. uh they have i was i've been bouncing at a what it was basically a hell's angels bar since i was 16. Okay. okay right so i was a bouncer and bar back uh the broken spoke saloon um from the time i was 16 till the time i was like 24 25 i stopped um so that's when i learned a lot about you know how to disarm a man with a knife uh also how to you know uh stock a cooler of beer uh, how much ice you need for two tractor-trailer loads of, uh, of Coors Light. You know, I, I learned a lot sure. uh, at, at that. But one thing that they always did was they had, um, they had WWE uh, there at the bar, WF at the time. And they would, you know, big motorcycle bar, with they bring the ring in. And, of course, there I was, you know, like, like – Total is in the in the shape of my life. Yeah, playing division one football with hair down. You know, the middle of my back, like you know, decent little beard going on. Um, you know, cut off T-shirt ripped down. You know, you know, the work yeah. we used to do. Oh in yeah, late nineties. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and, uh, and and I was in there, and I went back in the to the to the dressing room to bring the guys like the beers and the waters and stuff. And, you know, it's like Hogan and all these guys are back there as Eric Bischoff is, was, is obviously a sure. legend. And he's like, wait, who the hell are you? And I said, Hey, I'm Casey. I'm just here. Um, you know, bring you guys your water. And he's like, no, no, who, who are you? Like, where, where did you come from? Are you? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm a local ranch kid. I've been working at yeah. this bar for a long time. And he's like, I'm gonna give you my number. I want you to call me. Cause I think that there's, you've got potential. And I said, well, that's awesome. He's like, have you ever thought about wrestling? I said, I didn't wrestle sports. I rodeoed and uh, played football, basketball on track. And he said, well, you don't have to have wrestling experience to wrestle professionally. Sure. And so, you know, he, we, we started emailing back and forth um, you know, I kind of developed my, my plan for a character which, sure uh, you know, I was going to, my finishing move was going to be the ranch hand. Oh yes. You know, like, the, like a big choke slam. <laughs> um, and, uh, so it, we just got to the point where it was sort of, I was graduating. He had a camp coming up. I had to go to Ohio. Um, I didn't get paid anything. It was mm-hmm. eight weeks and there was no place to stay. No food allowance, and you just go in the, and grind at this uh, yeah. at this camp for eight weeks. And I honestly, when I was graduating augie man, I had like maxed out credit cards and mm-hmm. like I was you know my my bouncing money was uh, was tied up in uh, in a bass guitar. and uh, <laughs> I got an offer to go work on a political campaign instead that paid money versus yeah. that. And I took it, man. Yeah. I took it. I went. I moved to Texas instead, and I I started, you know, knocking doors for uh for a guy running for Congress. So that was that was the fork in the road. That he was either I me mean, politics or spandex. I tell people, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, commercials or uh, glitter, right? Or yeah. sequins, or, right? <laughs> well, I, I can,
1: you can you can write sequins into any commercial. That's fair. That's
0: fair that's that's awesome that's that's a wild that's a wild story and definitely a good one and i dude it's hard to it's hard to walk away from money right um that's how i think a lot of people make it in those industries because they're just willing to essentially uh pretend to be homeless you know and live out of your car and just try and grind it out and for that shot
1: I, I probably could have done it. I just for sure, you know, I just thought I thought that uh, having some money and getting a paycheck was really a great idea at the time. And I always thought, well, don't worry, I'll just this is my naivete, which is, don't worry, they'll they'll be totally happy to have me next year. Sure. You know, I'll go work on this campaign. I'll make I'll save up some money and then I'll go to, the, you know, to the WWF. Wow. Well, yeah. That didn't. That never happened. I got another job and another job and another job and, you know. That's so crazy. I mean, I guess I could call Bischoff up now and see what see what's up. But I feel <laughs> like a, the time has passed. Yeah. The ranch. The ranch hand will never, <laughs> will never grace the, uh, the, the the screens or the canvas of the World Wrestling Federation.
0: The WWE airwaves. Yeah. Oh man, talk about. It. Just two totally different paths you could have gone down potentially, right? Like, you went down one, which has been, uh, by all accounts, like, fruitful, successful, positive. But, man, that would have been just a wildly different life.
1: Well, I honestly, isn't everybody one fork in the road or yeah. one decision from a, a completely different life? A hundred
0: percent, man.
1: You know? I mean, the my vice president of my company, he... I we were on this college campus after a campaign and I walked outside to take a phone call on my old razor. And there was three, like, you know, uh, three coeds walking down the street. and I got done right at the time, hung up and I said, Hey girls, we're having a party. And they, it was finals week and they just walked in and he married one of them. And now I have three kids. Like you just like the, the confluence of possible factors. Of how that happened, or any of us, like the cosmic yeah. decisions it's, that were, you know, it's like what this sliding doors theory or that movie, yeah, right. It, like I could have been here, I could have been there. You could have been there. We, you know, one sure. day you could be living in Tahiti
0: right now, percent, man. Like the 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 fact that any of us we are we are way off the rails, <laughs> but the fact that any of us like even exist, right, is so. Yeah infinitesimal and then you factor in all of the decisions that we have made in our life that have led us to wherever it's just such a wild thing like it's really hard to comprehend uh but i do that randomly with my friends like we'll be sitting around a bonfire drinking and we'll just be like holy shit what if this had gone that way think of how much different your life would have been not like wish i could have but what if uh you know when we play at skelly's just for for example, right? And somebody steals our shack. You remember Shack? Oh, of course. Yeah. So we 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 had this shack that we that we had stolen from Burger King. Because <laughs> I it, haven't thought
1: about this story in ages. Since that night,
0: right? Uh, and it was behind. Uh, he was in the corner on stage with us as we were performing. And we get done. We all have a good time. We're we're all hanging out in the crowd and the the main act gets done with their show and i don't know i i would, i guess i'd call them like four canadian dudes decide that they're going to steal our shack that we stole and we chase him out of the back of the bar and we're we're running after him and one of them drops it finally and he turns around and i'm like going to pick up shack because if we lose shack the world will end <laughs> like that's what's literally going like, through my literally. head right <laughs> Uh, and as I walk past this dude, this dude puts me in a freaking chokehold and I'm like, shit, I'm not getting out of this. Like I'm fish hooking him. I'm trying to like poke his eyes, but I can't reach. And thankfully, thankfully Josh Kaiser like walks up and like grabs the dude and like rips him off. Right. And we go back and we're standing. We're like, what's your problem, man? Why are you trying to steal Shaq? (laughs)
1: What what is wrong with you?
0: Who steals a shack? And it was like a life-size, seven-foot-tall cardboard cutout of shack. And one of these guys, he's like, I'm just so sick and tired of Americans thinking they're better than everybody else. And I was like, what? Also, you're the dude who choked me. Here comes 95 from my right hand. And that dude went to sleep so quickly. But, again, just, again, confluence of events. (laughs) <laughs> what if he never wakes up, right? Like right. how much different is my life, right? Like hilarious story. Thankfully he woke up and they just, you know, they got him in his car and they drove off, but what a wild deal. Like my life could be dramatically different had that, Yeah, you know, the stupidity of being 21 years old, right? Like just, it's, you know, terrible decision and well, I'm somewhere else.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I came out the back door just in time to see, you lay that dude flat on his back and put him to sleep. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I was not prepared. You know, I was like, dah, dah, dah. oh, oh th- someone said there's still a shack. And here I, I'm, like, coming down and then walk out the back door. And all of a sudden, I just see Jeff turn on the dude and, like, push hips. Bam. Dude was snoring before he hit the ground. And I was like, ooh. Your
0: reaction? Was
1: the probably
0: my favorite part of that? Like you, you were just like, "Holy shit!" Like you're asleep, dude. <laughs> so
1: dumb. Yeah, I know. We probably shouldn't have done that. So many stupid probably. decisions.
0: Well, I hate. They
1: shouldn't have stole Shack. They shouldn't listen. Uh, what's the the fuck around and find out? Yeah, sort of thing. If they steal Shack yeah. from a band of of athletes, you met the you Apex. Might find out
0: of the fuck around and find out mantra with authority oh shit so (laughs) anyways let's get back i'm gonna try and get us back on track so you don't go wwf slash e um and you you dive into the world of politics which is a fascinating world right no matter what side of any aisle anybody is on I, i find that I find oh, that I
1: have, I have friends that do what I do on the other side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's WWE, but like more fake.
0: Really? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, do you remember Trevor Dean at all? Probably not. Um, but he went to Augie. He was, he was one of my roommates, our senior year. He, uh, he's out there. He's a staffer on the Hill. Uh, wow. He was on uh, Hillary Rodham's campaign. Oh, I
1: yeah, I think I do remember that guy,
0: skinny dude.
1: Yeah, it, neither here yeah. nor there. But
0: anyways, and so I find what he does fascinating, right? Like it's just interesting to hear a little bit more about how it works. But you, you know, you you said you got into it through a junior Republicans right at Augie thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: like it was that a con? Like was that a conscious decision? Like I'm going to go into that side or? they just needed help and it just so happened to, yeah, I liked it. I liked their, their, or were you always kind of leaning that oh, way? I was, I, I was know.
1: a Reagan kid, man. I mean, I grew up with a nuclear missile, two of them in my backyard, H seven and no tell nine. Um, and a man two ICBMs pointed at Russia. Um, and you know, rode my pony out with lemonades give to the soldiers when they're playing war games I don't not on the ranch uh Mm -hmm. you know never had a good taste for uh for the russians and uh and ronald reagan was a hero when i was a kid sure and of course out in on western south dakota you know uh democrats kind of a bad word honestly now i've gotten to know and have a ton of friends uh that, that are that are democrats and there's people and good people of all stripes on both sides uh clearly but um for me you know i'm a second amendment absolutist uh you know like that's just not and that's not something i'm willing to negotiate with anybody and free speech and individual liberties and so i'm i'm just i'm maybe not the most um ideologically pure guy on this side or that side obviously crossover and a ton of different issues but yeah um but I think that actually helps me a lot in winning sort of swing seat races. So it's just kind of my, my thing. Yeah. Um, some of these races that are very close, some of these districts that are really swingy, you know, I I'm, I'm probably as good as anyone is talking to the kind of the middle, the sort of sensible nonpartisan, people because that's really the people I spend the most time with and I kind of get what makes them tick right Mm -hmm. you know your partisans are your partisans and they say that you know partisans can get a nominee but uh uh you know the the middle or the moderates elect right so and, and so really for me um that's where I make my hate and so that you know yes I am a very proud republican I'm very proud of what I do and my clients and uh, but it's, you know, that politics is, is a lot of show and it's a lot of game and it's a lot of these people behind the scenes, you know, making a deal and hugging each other and then getting on the the news cameras and uh, beating each other up. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what people want. Right. That's the, that's the WWF. That's the, that's everything. right? Right. So, it's 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 it it's very serious. People's lives are at stake. Yada yada yada. But there's a there's a lot of uh what do they say, Kfab or whatever in uh mm-hmm. in, in in politics just like there is in uh in in wrestling.
0: So, yeah. So I mean so you produce Political, ad, right? I want to read yeah. your bio on your website because I think it, <laughs> this is fascinating. Right, Casey Phillips is a campaign and award-winning director, screenwriter, producer, and the founder of the Her Ford Agency, uh, having written and produced over 1,000 political television and radio ads across all 50 states. Former center for University of Wyoming Cowboys RPD at NRCC and RSLC, and general consultant for more than a dozen statewide campaigns. Right, like. You produce pol- political ads. You do other stuff. I'm a well aware of that. But, yeah. Like, look, let's talk political ads for a second. I think, like, prior to getting into this, and maybe it wasn't as bad as when we were growing up, I think a lot of people just fucking hate them in general. Yes. Right? Like, yes. Uh, campaign season, uh, watching TV during campaign season is the worst, <laughs> like, one of the worst experiences. <laughs> Of your life because they're yes. just on repeat over and over and over. Right? You're and welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good for you, hundred percent, dude. Right? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm. It is what it is. I, I will. I, I do. I, I, I've watched a lot of years. I, their years are fun. Right? Like, I like them. I think they're whether or not I agree with the me- I, like whether or not I agree with the message, the storytelling and or the theatrical nature of them to me is really fun right (laughs) um and so i don't mind watching those but man they're just inundating and overwhelming so do you wrestle with that like uh that i know i'm a part of because i think a lot of people would say that's the part of politics that just fucking sucks right the as you mentioned they'll get behind closed doors and they're normal humans to each other but then they go out and kind of promote the the bashing of heads if you will Mm -hmm. right it do you wrestle with that i not not wrestle with it i mean it's just part of the gig now it's what you got to do right like i'm i produce a podcast uh i too right and one of them is we talk about it all the time we're so middle of the road. And we we agree on a lot of things. And we we acknowledge like that's not going to get us billions of views. We know that, but we're okay with it. <laughs> right? Like, we don't right. want to sit there and yell at each other. Because it's just, I don't want to yell at my friends. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on that in general? Just, like, political ads and, like, where they're at. Is it necessary still, do you think? Do you think they influence? I don't know.
1: Oh, absolutely. They influence a ton. I mean, I I... <laughs> I got data out of the field in a poll today and, uh, you know, we're, we're having, we're, you know, uh, my guy was up by 10 points in the last poll and we ran, uh, two full messages and he's up by 20 points. So, I mean, it, it, absolutely TV is still King. Uh, obviously digital media is, is, is a part of it. Connected TV is extremely important uh, to us right now. Um, yeah, I, so, I think there's two sides of my job and I think people will uh, will find this interesting but yeah being able to go and, and meet with someone who's a first time candidate and wants to tell their story and I'm listening to them and we're you know vibing at the kitchen table and we we find out that you know they got a passion for something and we can turn that into uh, a fun ad, or you know, their, their family plays dodgeball on the weekends, mm-hmm. and they've got four kids, and also we can make a dodgeball ad, or or we found out this member of Congress was the two-time Dodge County cream puff eating champion, and we made an ad about you know he's coming to D.C. because he's hungry, you know, like sure, <laughs> and that's that is fun, right? That's one thing, you know, where the money is right now. Uh, for better or for worse, in this business, is is, is super PAC and attack ads, yeah. and that's the stuff everybody hates. No one, no one doesn't want to see. Oh, this person's running for governor. Here's their life story. Okay, I'll I'll watch that. Like, I got to have a governor. Yeah. Maybe this person's good. Sure. Or maybe this person, maybe this person's bad. Like, tell me why you're good. That's I, no, I'm no one's offended by that, right? Um, but what they are uh, offended by is the other things that I do, which is. Uh, going, you know, someone hands me a dossier on a, you know, a a church going grandfather of 17, who raised fees once as a county supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I've got to go, you know, tear that dude limb from limb and say he's the worst thing that anyone's ever seen, which clearly affects everyone and clearly is brings the uh the level uh the, you know ratchets up the level of animosity among everybody yeah um but you know that the, the bam. It, it's human nature man people also, people yeah, love just, the fight they love the fight why yeah. do you think they showed up and watched gladiators kill each other right and 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 guys smashing each other on the football field like it's just part of who we are right and they want the fight and they want to make sure that you really want the job and then they're going to go tell everybody that they hated it, but they might be watching with one eye open. For you know, sure. Like, oh, what? Uh, what is they saying about him? What is she saying about him?
0: Exactly. Okay, right. You know, we
1: uh, My wife watches all these TV shows where the women just yell at each other. It sounds like chickens. Yeah,
0: same um, shit and not... over and over again. Same. And my wife just does.
1: Mad, and she's she's no good, and she's no good, and how could you say this about me? And Politics becomes a, a becomes a lens. It, it's it, it's it is culture, right? It's made hundred percent I say the, the problem of politics is made up of people. And you know, <laughs> you know, think about the do you know four hundred and thirty five good people in your life? No, nope, right. right? Like do you nope. like what is the percentage of like people who you're like, you know what? That guy's smart enough to make decisions for all of us. It's not high. Nope. so, and the self-selection is not is not good, but we're we're in, an imperfect system. For me, uh, I think it's it's the best that everyone can decide. Hey, I'm going to go do this. Yes, and right, and you know we're going to. We'll, I'm going to make it as easy as possible or as hard as possible. Sure, uh, but it's an industry that is growing all the time. People are very very passionate about politics, yeah. one side or the other, or or passionately hate it. Yeah. It could, there's three ways there. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, to me it's part of that competition. It's part of that stuff that, that drives me in everything I've ever done from <clears throat> from sports to now, which is that every day I get up and I get to get, uh, I, I get to fight yeah. and it, you know, sure. I, I, my favorite thing in the world is telling stories yeah. and, That plus getting getting some competition, I mean, it's the best job out there. Yeah. So other than other than being a cowboy, which I I pretend to do from you know about once a month on the plains of western (laughs) South Dakota, but otherwise we we mix it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think everybody I talk to, right? Like we 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 bitch about it about the you know, divisive nature of that landscape, but no one fucking turns it off. (laughs) No, no one turns it off. (laughs) And it's, and I, I, I I say that all the time, right? Like you can see when the public, the Republic turns on an, I like an idea and there's like very real effects, but you want to sit on your driveway and bitch about this shit. Um, but but then you watch it and you do let it affect you right yep. and, and you do let it influence you and so if you have a problem with it right like quit watching it quit letting it affect you re you know look at legitimate like voting records and and, and do your own research but instead you want to be told which way to go and you, you find these these things fascinating and and all that stuff and it's in i don't know man it's frustrating it's frustrating to to hear it from them knowing that you're that they are in control of that right like all you have to do is not watch it and not let it affect you and then you can reduce it if you truly give a shit the problem is you don't right you like it just as much as the next person and you are feeding that animal just as much as the next person
1: so Oh, hundred uh, percent. you know, and that's the people we're talking to at the end. Yeah. And the people that 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 were, you know, we have to scream at uh, the top of their lungs and spend all this money at the last two weeks because there's a big segment of the population who make the decisions. They decide who's gonna be president, mm-hmm. they decide who's gonna be United States Senator, and they don't pay attention until the last two weeks, and they're like, Wait, there's an election going on? And <laughs> you think and everybody else is oh, Yes. Yes. There's signs everywhere. There's 50,000 TV ads on. And all of a sudden there's a segment of that population of that 10% and they wake up in the last two weeks and they just say, Oh, uh, yeah. Like that guy or yep. That girl looks like the right choice. And they, they elect man. They elect.
0: What do you think about like foreign influence on that? Especially with like, digital media? Like, is there any, do you worry about that at all? Like,
1: well, I I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we invented it. So, uh, I guess, you know, the turn, the turnabout (laughs) being somewhat fair play, uh, you know, we, we can, as Americans be, um, be only so uh, upset about uh interfering in, in in other countries' elections because by god we we literally wrote the book mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that's not even uh you know that's that's not speaking out of school I feel like most everybody knows that, but yeah um uh, th- so they're, so so yeah, so they're working off the same playbook, yes, do I think that it's uh uh a problem? I I don't think it's a good thing. I don't, I, when they find out that people are, you know, foreign countries are controlling these big Twitter accounts that are, you know, setting the, the stage or, you know, setting the narratives. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that super disturbing. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough noise out there and there's enough real voices that, You know, and I and I and I give the voters a ton of actual credit for being intelligent and being able to kind of see through that. I I I don't I don't think it's a good thing. I don't know how to stop it. Um, But I I think at the end of the day, is it is it deciding elections? I don't think so.
0: Okay, that's an interesting perspective. That's good. Right. Yeah. Because they you know, everybody wants to bitch about it all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't think they're deciding our elections. I think we're still deciding our elections. Yeah, that's good. Um, That's good to hear. You know, they they may be interjecting, you know, different uh, stuff into it. Interesting narratives. You you know, trying to (laughs) distract from this or, you know, they got an army of troll bots or whatever it is. But, you know, I still think most elections aren't super close, right? And then everything's so spread out and um i i i still i still don't think it's ruining our democracy yeah. uh but i think we should fight it in every every place we find yeah, it tooth and nail right um yeah so
0: you not like not only do you like produce um you know campaign ads but you're i mean you're you're essentially you're basically part of a campaign right like you're part of the messaging that the campaign is is putting out and and you help do that like what's some of the better or i don't want to say better but like things you're you're more proud of like where you're like man this was this was a really cool thing that we did um yeah just kind of kind of like talk about some of the work you've done like and highlight some of it because again i i've loved like watching them they're super fun like fucking monster trucks like you name it right like there's everything involved right like you name it it's it's a show
1: (laughs) well that's what you're trying to catch attention right there's only so much attention out there yeah and so if 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 you're not you know putting your all into making it entertaining then you're i don't know that's just not me like i if i'm gonna do this it's gonna be fun and i'm gonna work with the candidates and the and the and the groups and the causes that that understand that this could be even a negative can be fun. We can make it make fun of somebody. It's so much more effective than just being mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, what what are my favorites? Uh, I mean there there's a ton of good stuff that I that I love what what I do, but I mean last cycle, um, I did two of the top six. US Senate races in the country. Um, and I think that that was, it almost killed me if any, anybody thinks <laughs> they can, you know, write for two, uh, top tier Senate races, uh, uh by themselves that are crazy. Um, I was on the, uh, I was on the, the red eye from Seattle to Raleigh way more times than I possibly could imagine, but yes, I'm, uh, there's a lot of people in a campaign, but the TV guy or, or me, and in this scenario is pretty much the lead message guy, right? So I work with the, with the researchers and I work with the consultants and I work with the pollsters to come up with the questions to then ask the voters on the poll. And then the polling guys go out there and take the verbiage that I, you know, that I come up with and then they go test it and say, would this, would, would this make you more or less likely to vote for Casey Phillips? Mm -hmm. um, for, uh, um, Senate governor or whatever. Yeah. 100%. Um, uh, sorry. I just got a text over here. Um, so, 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 okay. So then we, this is how we're going to do it. This is, and this is the message we're going to do. And so then we come back and say, okay, well, this these three things came back as the best. And this is the way that it was worded that that worked the best when we talked to people and asked them. So then I may make two or three different versions of the same piece of video creative with like slightly different mm-hmm. um, with, with using this one, using this one, then, then I might go out there and have those tested on like an online panel. Sure. So then all of a sudden I say, okay, I have now a tested message that's moving people, from undecided towards my person or from being leaning towards that other their opponent to undecided and it's working at a a rate that's worth spending money on and then then i'll take that and try to package it into the most eye-catching package that i possibly can and then we're gonna go put it out on jeopardy or wheel of fortune you know depending on depending on who you're depending on who you're targeting right if you're sure if you're targeting you know seniors uh you can just you can find them all on on wheel of fortune jeopardy (laughs) right so but if but if i you know then i I gotta make a same another version of the ad uh with a little slightly different messaging for the under 50 crowd and then we'll beat that up on face on instagram i made like a parody ad of like all my own ads that's on my instagram as well and it was the fact that we were all the ads we were making last cycle were about uh were about uh inflation sure so i had all these candidates standing in grocery stores being like eggs are up this much and pork chops oh my gosh (laughs) bacon is this Right. And so I, I made like 40 of those. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, you're trying to have, find like a fun way to, to end it. Like you know, the candidate comes in and he's trying to sneak like a bag of M&Ms in the cart, and the wife's like, you know, you're too fat. Like l- put those back. And so you, you come up in different ways. I mean, Don Bacon in Nebraska too, you know, we, he was, did all the things and then he came home and he just had a whole sack of bacon. And then his wife's like, "Why? What are you doing?" He was like, "Oh, I'm bringing home the bacon." Clearly, right? You know, like so you kind of come like dad jokes are at the heart of uh, of what I do, um, but 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 so you 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 have that, and then I made this parody ad, uh, and the parody ad was I kept telling everyone we're not talking to like my wife's demographic, yeah, because my wife doesn't have a clue how much a gallon of milk costs. Sure. She has absolutely no idea. Right. She buys stuff on an app and shows up and picks it up or sometimes has it delivered or just runs the card and that's fine. So it was really about, it was about charcuterie eyelash extensions, um, (laughs) Prosecco prices. And it's, it's amazing. It's like Joe Biden ruined literally everything, right? Like, So I'm gonna send that to you. So I mean, like you gotta take yourself too seriously. So like my favorite ad is the parody of all the ads that I made for the public, and that's my favorite. But you know, last last time, you know, I think I'm really proud of all the things we did for Tiffany Smiley, uh, who ran for Senate out in Washington State, and then Ted Bud, which is definitely the race of my career, mm-hmm. uh definitely a career maker. Uh open seat U.S. Senate race in North Carolina. Uh took a, a guy I've been working with for eight years and made a U.S. senator uh, in a swing state. So to me that's you know that's the that was the hey I'm 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 here. Like, yeah that's that's the super the Senate races are the Super Bowl of our business unless you're talking about presidentials. Sure. And presidentials are what I've always been told they're a game for young operatives and old consultants. And I don't believe I'm either at okay. this point. Sure. So I've, I've managed to stay out of uh, the presidential um, all the way through the career, but Senate races are pretty big and important. And uh, I'm sure I'll take a presidential sometime, Sure, uh, but you know, this isn't, it's not the time right now, but yeah, the things that I love doing, just like you said, um, big props lots of fun yeah i mean ted ted bud let me have the monster trucks but he did cut my budget for the trained eagle that i found so (laughs) my plan was i'm ted bud right and then screaming eagle comes in and lands on his on his arm and then you know and then and i approved this message right like that was my like who doesn't want that yeah Uh, and they said that was the budget the Eagle was too much money. So I didn't get to do that one. <laughs> so, but, good. So, <laughs> so, good, but we did, we did have to find monster trucks and I will tell anybody that needs a monster truck. I wrote the script and the consult, the arrested consultant team loved it, but they said, listen, man, we got to shoot this in three weeks. How are you going to find a monster truck? And I said, listen, man, I don't, I don't know everything, but I know rednecks. And yeah. I know somewhere in North Carolina, somebody oh. had a inheritance or won the Powerball, and they bought a monster truck, and it's sitting in the shed, and their wife is mad or their husband's mad that it's not making any money. Hundred percent. So I found this Facebook group called Used Monster Truck Parts Swap Meet. I <laughs> swear to God it exists. <laughs> I applied for a membership. It's got like three thousand like members, right? And so then I post on there. I said. Paid gig, monster truck, in this you know, uh Winston Salem, North Carolina. You know, on sure. this date, let us let me know if you find anybody. And it was like my phone was going to start on fire. Melt down, I yeah, bet. Start on fire. It I was bet, just ever people are bidding against each other. People are like, dude, I'll do it for free. <laughs> like I just <laughs> I need to get this thing. I need to do something with this monster truck. So one, I'm getting two. For the budget I had for what? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. we had uh, then we got some truck. We had some cars, and we we superimposed like the liberal agenda like on front of it. And yes. so we had Ted Bud's monster truck crush the Biden agenda or whatever. And so it is you know if you're not having fun doing this, man, why are you doing it? All right, you
0: mentioned dad jokes. We're gonna get into being a yeah. dad. I gotta ask. All right, you got. I don't know, eight or nine, uh, what people are saying about your ads. I want to ask which one do you take the most pride in? Okay. So, first, Absolutely Savage by Pat McAfee Show. I don't know what yep. it's about. Next, In the History of Campaign Videos, It Would Be Hard to Find One Better by the Aniston Star in Alabama. Mind-blowing and Wildly Entertaining, AL.com. Must see to believe TV. It just it doesn't just cut through, it rolls over the competition. Vile by CNN. Yes, I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> the distilled essence of contemporary conservatism <laughs> by the Washington Post. <laughs> You're I'm, welcome. I'm a big critic of political ads. I think these admeisters make a ton of money and usually do lousy ads. This is a great ad by Laura Ingram and five much must watch campaign ads from this week Alexandra Marquez NBC News which one which one do you take the most pride in
1: vile 100% but absolutely absolutely <laughs> as long as CNNs saying that my stuff is bad then i know it's working right, right. if they're if they're angry about it like that's that's where i'm at man so uh, good that, so that ad, I think that was in response to the ad where I rented a suborbital rocket and shot like CRT books into space. Okay, so that was a big one. Um, and uh, then we had that rolls over the competition. That was uh, Ted Budd's monster truck ad, mm-hmm. and um, I think what was uh, the other one was where I had a flamethrower. Uh, that we burned uh, the Green New Deal, the the bill. <laughs> sure, you know. And so yeah, this girl, and she like, you know, you don't know she's what she's doing. All of a sudden, like, pop, Elon Musk's like flamethrower. Mm-hmm. She lights it up, and then she burns it. And we, you know, had it all covered in lighter fluid, and it just goes. <sighs> You know, it's pretty badass. So, um, and then, but then, you know, the the Ingram quote that's uh, that was Tiffany Smiley ad where we responded. We tried to be the Republican response onto abortion after right after Roe v. Wade when nobody knew what to say, and we just stripped it down and basically uh, delivered the punch, which was, hey, listen, we're all, uh, I'm I'm pro-life, but I don't think there should be a national abortion ban. The whole point of this Supreme Court issue is to, uh, a decision is to return power to the states, and that's where I think it belongs. And in Washington state, where no one's in, in danger of losing your reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the, the a lot of people, kind of jumped on that. And that, that wasn't my writing. Like most of this is my writing. You know, that was, that was a big, uh, a big group effort, but, uh, we put together an ad that I think that was that kind of helped, uh, the party navigate, uh, what they should sure. be saying on the issue. And I think it definitely saved some seats. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. yeah that, that was a, but yeah, we have fun, man. We have absolutely. fun. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so again, we talked, we touched on you being a father a couple times. Dad jokes are once you're a, once you are a father, dad jokes become. I mean, it's the lifeblood, yeah. Right of, it's of it's actually existence. Critical. Right, like if, if you can't, you know, rip a couple off off the hip to your kids when when they're like, "Dad, tell me a joke," like you know, you gotta you gotta do better, just in general, right? So your father one currently. what's your son's name Waylon Waylon I was I thought it was Waylon I I was 99% sure I just didn't want to say it the wrong way and you got another one on the way so congratulations thank you November that's that's super super exciting another boy yes Another Uh, boy. great uh gender reveal (laughs) video that was fun (laughs) to watch I I enjoyed watching that um but you've shared with me in the past uh, and and or on Instagram right like in the past that you know the journey to there to now hasn't been easy, no, right. So, talk me through that, right? Like, let let because I think it's important. Like, I I definitely feel like a lot of people feel like there is a weird and an un unnecessary stigma to oh man, I we can't get pregnant or. Uh, you know, we lost, we lost a baby, right? Like somewhere in like somewhere along in the process, right? Like they think that there's this stigma associated with it. And unfortunately, like so many people go through this shit. Oh, like yeah. so many, we've lost one, right? Like my brother, like they struggled for months. Like the, I know, I feel like I know more people who have struggled through this process than those who have done it seamlessly without any issues at any time. Right, so so. Take your time, right? Like floor is yours. Like talk me through kind of what you all went
1: through, and yeah, man. Yeah, so, I mean, just what you walked through there, like the fact that you know so many people, we know so many people, like there's something going on, and I don't know. I maybe in twenty, thirty years we're going to figure it out and science is going to figure out like, well, it was microwaves or it was cell phone signals or it was Mm. whatever it was. We're we're, it's, it's, it it has to be right. Like there has to be something Um, because Sarah and I, you know, we started trying to have kids as soon as we were married and we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary in September. So 2013 and it just, you know, we didn't feel any pressure. And so we just, kind of we're like, yeah, whatever, you know, it'll happen, it'll happen. And then all of a sudden we're getting older and it just hasn't happened. So you start through the process of, okay, well, I guess I better go get checked out. Everything's cool. Send her, get her checked out. Everything's cool. Okay. Doctor says we're cool. Just keep trying. Cool. So we're doing the whatever. Oh, you know, what time is it? Okay. Like run home on your lunch break type stuff. And then, uh, that didn't work. So then you go on to the next thing, which is the, I don't even remember what it was called, but I like they take it and they, you know, put in the right spot. Um, Artificial insemination. Kind of. Yeah. Basically, essentially, you know, yeah, yeah. but essentially that's what it is. I don't know if they have a fancier word for it. Yeah. So they do that and that doesn't take. And so you're just sitting there and saying, Hey man, what is, what is going on so sure. finally we get to the point where you know it's it's, it's super hard on my wife because mm-hmm. she feels like she, you know she's you know women get uh very wrapped up in it and that's okay it's it's natural um you know i i'm okay either way with how everything goes but she's um you know starting to feel the clock tick and i think so we decided to go with the ivf route and the ivf route it was obviously very expensive took a lot of time a lot of um uh, a lot of shots a lot of emotional you know ups and downs like don't don't ever think that it's not a hard road right so uh we went through two egg retrievals we we, we lost one at 13 weeks um uh, which was just absolutely devastating uh to us um at that point I literally bought like a camper van and we just like hit the road and drove around the country for eight weeks, just trying to get ourselves back to being able to communicate and um uh, mm-hmm. and try again, right? Like that mm-hmm. to to us, we were just in a place, we were in a dark, dark place. Yeah. Um and then we kind of came back out of it and and tried again and had to do a whole new egg retrieval and everything. And, um, then we got the got one that stuck and that's whaling. And that's been just fatherhood has hit me like a dump truck. It has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, we're just so happy that it, you know, whatever route road it took, whatever mile we had to, to climb, however much it costs. Um, nothing matters. And I think yeah. my father told me, uh, the, I mean, he's told me a lot of great things. My dad is a very, very wise man. He's a, he's like an elder Statesman cowboy on uh, Western South Dakota a very John Dutton esque. you know, younger <laughs> cowboys that. come, come to come to him and learn about, yeah. you know, how to, how to be a cowboy now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was about my former business partner and he had a son uh, he had, his brother had a son who has special needs and, and he came to me and he said, you know, I, I think I'm going to have to come up with some money to help, um, to, to help them buy a house near the hospital mm-hmm. so that they can live there. And, uh, you know, I, I was telling my dad, I said, you know, this is what, a, what a deal, like we're going to have, he's going to have to go and. You know, we're our woman's doing fine, but this is a lot of money, and he's gonna have to do it. And and all of a sudden, and my dad just looked at me and he said, "Hey, if it's not for family, then what the fuck is money for?" For sure. And that hit me so hard, and that's what I kept thinking every time that we were looking at, at you know, at, at whatever we we're gonna do next. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is money for if it's not for? For your family, and not for making sure that you can do the things that you have to do to to have a family. And right. so now I realize I'm very fortunate. I've been successful in life, and we can afford the best doctors and uh, not everyone can. And so we know that we're very, very lucky, but uh, having Wayland has been uh, you know the, the most rewarding thing that we've ever done. And uh, we have uh, have another embryo. And so we were getting ready to, uh, to, to start IVF round two and Sarah was in there meeting with the doctors and it's been time and we should get ready for number two and boom, she was already pregnant. So Fuck yeah. Yeah. Right. Like what a, what a thing to happen. Hell like yeah, your body dude. figures it out. So the only person that was upset was my fertility doctor's not getting his country club membership paid for this year, I guess. Yeah. So but we're having another boy and that that was funny. My wife threw out all the boy stuff because the other embryo was a girl. So we were a hundred percent guaranteed wow. to have another girl. Okay. And we were like, Yep, girl, it's girl time. And nope. Now we got ourselves uh another little dude coming. That's
0: Okay, that's interesting. I did so right? was that was that part of like the first process? Like we're gonna have a boy like did you know that?
1: Yeah, like, we knew. You know, you know, you do the all the testing. It's like after you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to do this thing, sure then they say then they say, Hey, would you like to have them all tested for like chrome, you know, chromosome yeah. abnormalities and all this stuff? Sure. To make sure, and then they grade them all out. Um, and you're like Oh yeah. So there's 600 bucks. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, t- test them. You At know, let's point, make, you give shit. after yeah. all this shit, like yeah. let's, let's, let's test it. So we tested And I mean, it's like the A plus plus boy, you know, a plus girl. And I'm like, you know, I was a big brother and I had a little sister and that was kind of cool jam. So I wanted to do the boy first, do the boy first. And now we're, now we're on to boy two. Uh, because I guess nature figures out a way eventually.
0: And so, what will be? What will be the 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 age gap there? Uh, right at two years, so twenty three
1: months. God,
0: there in all likelihood, just gonna be <laughs> dudes to each other, right? Like just <laughs> they're, nothing they're but you, you know, <laughs> dead legs and you know, wrestling matches in the living room and
1: on mom and dad's
0: bed, like nonstop, right? Like you know, that's how it's gonna the younger is going to pick all the fights too.
1: So, so my sister has four sons between uh, like nine and a year and they all live on the ranch now in Western South Dakota and they are feral. Yeah. Like, feral animals. They're dragging in like deer skeletons to their, sure. in, to, to the living room. Sure. Like they're just out there getting after it. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got, unlimited space you've got trucks and tractors and four-wheelers and fishing poles and mm-hmm. whatever and so it's they're they're fun so I, I that's why sarah and i are looking to build a, a house out in south dakota right now which is crazy because everyone wants because of yellowstone everybody wants to be a rancher now um so it's we're, we're like waiting for bids but hopefully we'll be at least part-time out there because i just it's such a good place to raise a couple boys. Like there's no better place than to just have, be like, why don't you guys run down to the pond and go fish? Sure. Grab your 22s and go get a rabbit.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean like boys in general are borderline feral, right? (laughs) Put them, put them out in the woods or in nature. And yeah, like (laughs) it's full on at that point
1: yeah it's we're like kind of terrified but very excited at the oh, same no. time it'll be so it'll be so cool uh, and Waylon's gonna make me look like a little guy he's like measured a bigger than me every single step of the way from you know every measurement he's ever had and I'm I'm looking at this kid I'm thinking like how am I going to I, I am qualified to teach him to be a double XL man in a medium world you know so okay. it's uh
0: <laughs> not, right not to make this uh, i'm not trying to be a me monster how big was he when he was born eight eight six not that huge 12 pounds 13 ounces
1: yeah i you're i, I think i knew that I yeah think you were like <laughs> you're like famously large it's
0: like ret- ridiculous <laughs> how big i was when i was a kid and i was two weeks fucking early right like my That's poor amazing. mother my mom was five five broke both of her ribs like i you know god bless you mom i love you thank you for everything right like i feel <laughs> terrible for her for being that large right like it's yeah, so that's
1: not, that's not the good
0: yeah it's so weird she looked she just looked like she looked like she had a beach ball under her shirt when she was with me but like my kids were 8 8 right like my son was 8 8 my jo- daughter was 7 7 and you know like they're middle of the road and like these doctors keep telling us they're like oh you know uh Jackson's probably measuring out to be about 5'10. Like the fuck he is. Like his dad, six three, his wife's or you know, his mom's five mm-hmm. nine. Like, he's gonna be six foot three, like at minimum, right? Like at minimum. He's gonna be yeah. a tall kid. Like, quit measuring him on these stupid scales and let's just let him grow up. Like, I don't want to hear that shit ever again, doc. Like it, it's irrelevant to me. You know, you're not looking at the family structure as a whole i have no doubt your kids are going to be big like yeah i
1: think we've, we've seen like 99.9 percent and more uh, the new guys good seems Lord. to be right kind of in the middle like so that's why i asked sarah i said listen uh 70 percentile uh, you know just to sure this mine <laughs> 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 you do not find that funny no
0: they never do no um never. You mentioned it a little bit, right? Like how, you know, you guys kind of like went on this little road trip. I, I imagine there's tough moments going through that process. Like other than that, like, was there anything else where that you did to kind of like help try and, uh, cope <laughs> process through this, you know, cause like when we lost ours, I, I remember cause our first two went off without a hitch and well we didn't even think it was a possibility dude like that's how naive we were to the to to all of that right and then we lose we lose uh we lose the baby and like just people come out of the woodworks i lost two we lost you know one we lost my mom's like you know i lost three and it's like holy shit you know, like you just you start to hear all these stories. Was there anything that you guys were trying to do to kind of like stay positive, stay pushing forward? I don't know. It's it's just tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough.
1: A, I mean, I'm sure to think anything that could help anybody that's in the situation. But my wife and I, and I, if you have, if anyone hasn't figured this out, like I'm just like this unbelievably dumb optimist, and awesome. there is nothing that has ever you know, I, that got us down, but my wife and I, the problem with the problem in our relationship is that we're the same person, right? We're both just messy, like frat boys who are just like fully driven <laughs> a thousand miles an hour sure. with, uh, you know, like we love to be around people and we like to have fun and we like, so we're both pretty resilient in that. And I, that, that one that broke us down pretty hard but you know you can't you're not going to change who you are and in our nature is that we are optimistic human beings Mm. things have always found a way of working out for us and uh we were able to kind of lift each other up i think and i think that road trip was a big part of it you know being out in the being out in big bend national park at you know, eagle, or at Tusk campground away from cell phones, away from everything and sort of working, uh, working through it and just mm-hmm. talking on the road, you know, driving from place to place, um, being out at the ranch, which is just so mind clearing, you know, yeah. like when the, when the sun sets out in, in North New Underwood in Hereford, South Dakota, which is the, where I got the name of the company, um, is the, uh, there's no lights, you can't see anything, yeah, and it's i think disc- disconnecting from the bullshit, you know, my wife's an influencer, she's a influencer online she's her whole life's online, mm-hmm. you know that's and that's the reason why i have I have license to talk about this, uh which is because she's already talked about it, yeah, uh, I don't think I really have ever have, but um, I think it was just spending the time together and realizing that we're on this, we have the same goal. So it's not anyone's fault. And I think for for me, it was the fact that we had doctors confirm that it was not everyone's fault. So there was never a, it's you, it's you. And there was never any resentment. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, And I, I, I'm sure that that's not the normal, uh, state of affairs and everybody's relationship and everybody's journey. Uh, I think that's, even though we were unlucky in a couple of reasons, I think we were lucky in the end. And I think we were lucky to be able to get through it as a healthy couple because we, um, we didn't, we, we put ourselves in and sort of the, this is, we're in this together and we're, it's going to happen somehow. God, that's so and, awesome. and nothing's going, nothing's going to stop us. That's awesome. Um, and we'll do whatever we have to do until it works. That's awesome. And so <laughs> I, I don't know. They, I, I think there was a, there were moments of doubt. There was moments that she was like, well, this is never going to happen for us. And I think I was able to pick her up. And I think, there was moments and I was like, well, should we even bother trying? Like, let's go adopt some a kid or something. Sure. And she was able to pick me up, right? But it's just pure dumb optimism, which has gotten me through life, uh, that continues to get me through life to this day, and got me through, I think, the toughest thing that I've ever been through. And I've been through some shit.
0: That's huge, man. It's so huge to have just to have that with within each other. Um, that's great. Uh, like that's super cool to hear right like because i do think as you mentioned right like a lot of people do kind of like start to say hey is it you right or is it me or you know and or wearing it you know not necessarily putting blame but internalizing it and letting that shit eat them you know from the inside out yes and then they become a different person and it's like oh whoa you know and so that's awesome that both of you were able to kind of like navigate that together and be there for each other because it that's what you look for in a partner right you don't realize that when you're 22
1: no you know what i mean no
0: you know like that takes so long to figure out like man it's so important to find that person that's going to be there for not just because you're you know the big you know, football player, jock, or, you know, the Instagram influencer or whatever. Right. It's cause like we, we work together, you know, towards whatever. Right. So that's awesome, man. It's super awesome to hear. So cool. So you had Waylon. I want to, I want to hear like what that day was like.
1: Oh, it was, uh, it was brutal. Uh, you know, my wife's like five, six, uh, (laughs) she's not a, a big person. And the, uh, no, I've got like a size eight and a quarter head. I don't know, you know <laughs> like they had to order special football helmets for me all small. the way since I was like a sophomore. Yeah. So so that in childbirth uh, on a uh, on a normal size human female is not um, <laughs> n- not ideal if if we'll <laughs> say that. So so the doctors were concerned going in. Uh, sure. about just, just the head size really was, <laughs> was the issue. And it turns out it was an issue. Um, we were in, we went in for a induction. We completely like, Oh, we'll just, she'll take it a shot. It'll put her in her labor. But well, that's not what happened at all. Um, 50 some hours of labor. What? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty tough. And finally, uh, as she was falling asleep between contractions and pushes, um, they finally called it and said we're going to a C-section. So um, went straight in, got the C-section. Uh, kid was an absolute trooper. Put up with a ton of what a uh, Pitocin and all that stuff pumped into him, um, but he's a monster. Like he, he didn't even it didn't phase him. Uh, yeah, he, but it was tough. Um, so for Sarah, you know the c section is not exactly a um, gentle no. process, um, but got the dude out and he's he, he's good. Um, we We wound up getting help for the first few weeks. Um, uh, uh, like night help so sure. that you know I can continue to work and uh, she didn't have to get out of bed for a while while she recovered, and that was really, really game changing. Uh, and we also realized that we're fortunate to be able to do that. But um, at our age, uh, you know, I was 40 <laughs> at the time yeah. when I had my first kid yeah. and I was like, you know, I, I realized at 22, you can get out of bed three times a night, but I run a company of, you know, yeah. s- with, with employees that have, you know, the responsibilities themselves. So I need to keep going and uh, I, I can't just check out completely. So, uh, got the help. And just like we got, just how we ever got Whelan, it was, you know, being able to ask for help and being able to uh, to, to get the good people around you to, to make you successful. And I think that's something that I've learned a lot and a lot like after 40, which is ask for help, accept help. Sure. Um, seek out help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, I, up until 39 and, and you know, 364 days, I thought I had all the answers, Jeff. For sure. right? Like we all did, <laughs> I think, right?
0: Until you're now responsible for another living being. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, like when I went through, and my journey was obviously a little different, is different than yours, but I just remember, um, you know, that day, uh, prior to that, like I knew we were having a kid. And I'm not like trying to be like, oh, he's just this aloof fuck who didn't pay attention. Like, I knew we were having a kid. I was excited. But I don't think like the gravity of it hit me until, you know, I was handed my son. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always thought that people who said, you will never understand how life changed. I always thought it was just complete fucking bullshit. Like people, oh, they're they're just saying that because they have to. Like it, it's not that you know. Like it's not that big a deal. Like so, you know, stupidly arrogant, right? And then when that day comes, I just remember just being completely overwhelmed. What was that like for you? Like when Waylon was, you know, laid on your wife's chest and. You know, you're going through that. Like, what's the what's this wave of
1: emotions like? Well, it came to me first because did he really? uh, Yeah, because she was all cut up, right? So they were like, they came around. They're like, "Are you ready for the skin to skin?" And I like jump up, (laughs) rip shirt off.
0: You should have gone full WWF, rip that bitch (laughs) out. Give Give me that kid, right?
1: (laughs) And I I I think it's 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 a part of the being an older father. Uh, for the first time that I, I don't think it was the, sh- it was the shock. I was so ready. I was so sure. excited. We've been such a long road mm-hmm. that it wasn't that sort of like eye opening. Oh my God. It was, I was fully like ready for that. Yeah. And I couldn't have been more excited. And once I heard him cry the first time, I my mean, bolts just completely broke down. Cause it was like getting to the end of this marathon. It's right. So and, and that, and now realizing you're back at the start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we thought it's a great <laughs> we, way to look at thought, it. Boom. We yeah. ended this school, right? Like it's got getting done with college football. You're done with that. Now there's a whole other damn thing. Yeah. That to, to do. And I think that was for me, like the shift sure. of the journey to get the kid. And now the journey not to screw the kid up for sure. Right. Like being able to provide a, a proper home, uh, be a good example. Uh, I think that's the things that I've, I'm struggling to make sure that I can try to move myself towards in sure. the, in, in this new phase of my life.
0: Sure. Who, who is he more like
1: so far? Uh, I said, I told you my wife and I are so similar. It's, it's weird. Um, he's, he's so chill that I would say more like a little bit more like me, yeah. Um, he's just he's fun, he laughs, he communicates pretty well for a year and a half. Um, I don't know, I don't know. I he's definitely looks he, he he's thank god he's got his mother's looks because there ain't much like cuteness genes coming out of this side. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that beauty is not any. No, no, no one would put uh, my looks as any of my assets. You, you are know?
0: striking, right? Like you, <laughs> Stri- leave it, you leave. Stri- an impression. Terrifying. You leave right? an impression, Casey. So, uh,
1: so, but you know he's got my big silly wide nose. He's got my big tennis racket toes. Um, but he's got my. Uh, but he's got my wife's you know, uh, lips, ears. Um, so thank God he's gonna, you know, he's going to be way more handsome than me. Um, it's a good mashup. Yeah, man. He's, 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 he's something, he's a cute dude he's, he's very, I'm a little surprised. I'm kind of dark skinned for a Norwegian and my wife's Italian and he's like a ginger basically, like not really, but like, He's, uh, he's very, very light-skinned um, mm. and a little reddish-brown hair. He'll grow into it. He'll grow into yeah. all of it, right? Yeah, but yeah, big striking blue eyes that's and awesome. going to be a burly human being. Fuck yeah. Going to be a monster. Good shit. Good shit, dude. So maybe he'll get paid to catch linebackers <laughs> like Dad. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Everybody asks me. I mean, I was at dinner last night. I Once a day, will you let your kid play football? Right. And I think that's something that people don't talk about. And I'm sure your audience has to have thought about this. For sure. Like, is, is it, are we doing that? What, what do you, sports do your kids play?
0: Uh, so Jackson plays football, basketball, and baseball and golf. Yeah. Right? So yeah, he'll, he'll play football. Okay. I yeah. did dude. Like I played in high school. Like it is what it is, man. Like life's not living. If you're not, life's not worth living. If you're not willing to take risks. Right, like you said, right, like you one spin around this rock, have fun, and do what you want. And are there? There's risks to everything. There's risks to doing this. What if my house got struck by lightning while I was recording a podcast with you, Casey? Should I not do it? Like fuck off, right? Like he's gonna play it. I know. You know, I served in the military. Is my son gonna? If he wants to, I'm not gonna. Not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna tell him not to do it. Right. You know what I mean? If he wants to do it, he's going to.
1: And well, I think that's probably a good idea. Cause I don't think that many sons was, <laughs> well, Oh, is that right, dad? Okay. That's what I'll do then. Yeah. yeah like I'm I'm going to encourage
0: him and I, I don't push him right. Like I was a baseball player. This is the first year he played baseball. He's been playing football for four years. Hmm. Right. Like I'm not pushing him in any direction outside of you're not playing fucking hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Just cause, cause I would like somewhat of a life. Okay. Oh, sorry.
1: I mean, it's, you're living in Minnesota. I thought that was important.
0: No, it's definitely like part of like the culture here. Uh, you understand that, right? Like it's, it's, it's in their blood, but, um, it, to me, I'm not, I'm not pushing him and I'm definitely not presenting it to him. If he finds it, sure. I'll support yeah. it. Right. Like, and so it's the same with football. Like, he he loves it. He loves playing. Now, am I putting him in tackle at, at seven? Hell no. Like, that's just stupid at that yeah. age, right? Like, you're not learning anything. It's just, you know, the biggest seven-year-old is the greatest football player on the planet. Well, that yes. doesn't translate, right? Like, I hit my growth spurt when I was 16 years old. I went from 5'10 to 6'3, right? And I'm assuming you... Went through a growth spurt as well, where you turned into just a beast, right? And before that, you were were what you were, but then you became this physically imposing human. And it's like, all right, now I have hit puberty, (laughs) and I can compete, you know? And so- He's not playing tackle at seven. It's flag. It's learning the game. It's learning routes. It's learning concepts. It's things of of that nature. And then, yeah, maybe when you're 10, 12, all right, you want to put some pads on and go knock some heads? Okay.
1: Go for it, dude. I I feel almost exactly the same, but I I get people are surprised, especially out here, when I'd say that I would do it. Um, I I think the game is going to be very different. I bet Uh, by that time people are people have turned on the game pretty hard, uh, especially out here. But which um, which blows my they they're turning on it.
0: uh, Not to derail, (laughs) they're turning on it and putting their kids in lacrosse.
1: Right, right. Yes. What that's what happens everywhere. Yes, that's very thing. Yes. Well, what's your end game for lacrosse? Yeah. Same.
0: You know. They're in pads. They're running into each other, beating each other up with sticks. Like, why is that better? I, I, I don't get it, man. Like, sports are sports. Let them play. Or don't. Yeah, nah, I don't true. care. No, like,
1: I he, definitely going to let Whalen do whatever he wants. Oh, but yeah. I, I have a sneaking suspicion he'll be a linebacker catcher, just like dad. <laughs> Slash wrestler it's not a possible wrestler <laughs> you know <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I'll say hey hey buddy uh, i'm not giving you any money but here's uh, uh it's eight weeks uh supply of tuna fish yeah go go live out of your car in ohio yeah.
0: with eric bischoff protein and brown rice go nuts 100 <laughs> percent, dude um yeah brother i'm excited for you man i'm excited to see where you know how where your journey takes you on number two that's that's su- that's gonna be super cool um, and I've taken up a ton of your time. You got anything else you want to chop up tonight? I don't wanna like keep you any longer. I know it's later out there for you than it is here for me.
1: Nah, it's only seven. I've got plenty of time to get back for bedtime. Uh no, man. I'm 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 happy. Uh I appreciate uh you having me on. I don't hopefully there's something that we discuss that's helpful for somebody uh for
0: out sure. there. Hundred percent it is, man. 100% it is. And and you know, part of part of this for me is just like look, like uh I want my kids to know so much about me. Uh so I lost my dad, you know, 8 years ago. Um and I didn't know my dad. It's a shitty deal, right? Yeah. Um I would imagine my dad was, you know, probably like yours growing up, very stoic, very, you know, kind of lead by example. Um, and when I got to the point where I started to have that relationship with him and started to understand who he was, he got sick and then passed away, unfortunately. And so like, I never really got, got to hear his stories, right? Like he played basketball at SDSU. He's a fucking all American, right? Like I never heard any of the, these stories, right and wow so i want to like i just i kind of wanted to like provide this vehicle where hopefully i'm okay and i'm gonna be around a long time you know but in the awful event that something terrible happens like there's this thing out there moral history they, man you know that they can they can listen to and they can hear about dad and you know his friends and like what mattered and you know not only to to me but to people that were important in my life. Right. And I know we haven't like talked in 20 years, but man, that, that year we spent together was super impactful on me and just like taking risks and putting yourself out there and like figuring out who the fuck you are. Right. And like not conforming to norms. Like that's so important as a human being. And I think,
1: you know, if if you're not doing that, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Dude, you know, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's what it was all about. That's what you and I went through and that's why we went through it. And that's, I think big, big time shaping for, for, for me sure. anyway, for sure. You know, like, like just standing up there for the first time and turning the amp on and saying, you know what, whatever, yeah, like, what does it matter if they, if someone laughs about us tomorrow or says yeah. we suck. Stepping right? out of those comfort zones, dude. Right. Like
0: that's, it's so important to like growing, you know, so
1: that's, and you that, hope that you hope that your kids can do that. And I mean, this is a very cool oral history thing, man. I, you know, this stuff will live forever. And that's another, it. Brings up another thing. It's like, we're. Can you imagine if we'd have if our parents had Instagram when they were in college? Like, what what more we would know about them rather right? than the the couple like snaps from a Halloween party that we have like in a book?
0: Exactly. Right. Like all I know, you know. I shouldn't say all I know, but a lot of what I know now about my dad is from stories from other people. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I want to be able, I want him to hear these stories from me in my voice. Right. Like talking to the people that I went through them with. So
1: yeah. that's you know. cool, man. I'm glad you're doing it. This is a very cool thing. I appreciate uh, being, you know, <laughs> getting a chance to get on here and uh, cut some stuff up and just, just reconnect actually. Absolutely. Brother.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, Casey, it, it absolutely means the world uh, to me that you graced me with, uh, you know, shit, we're going on two hours. Two hours yeah, of your time. Yeah, that's
1: like a Rogan-length podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: two hours of your time, man. Uh, I, I truly, I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, and I, I'm, it's so awesome to, like, hear where you're at and see how, how good you're, you, you're doing and how good your family's doing out there. Like, that's it's super cool. It's super cool.
1: Yeah. Well, the only problem is we're out here in Alexandria, Virginia for now, and hopefully we'll be back in the Dakotas and, you know, in the next couple of years, at least half the time. So back in God's country. Yeah, man. Right. I miss it every day. I miss it every day. Every people that live in the, in the West or Midwest, just don't ever take a day of it for granted because mm-hmm. God, it's so great out there.
0: Really is truly is truly is. So, so uh, again, I appreciate it, Casey, uh, everybody listening, like share comment subscribe do your thing um yeah and until next time be good everybody